The first exhortation. Um, Paul says, first of all, I exhort. This first exhortation for the church. And that is that we pray. We pray. That is the first exhortation. Now, is it all that the church does? By no means. But it is what the church ought to do first. And God wants to give us um, some principles, um, some things that He wants us to really chew on and to come to a realization that this is what we to pray for. I want you to start and understand um, that I believe that God's primary concern in this world is people. It is not the events that the church has. It is not the different communities. We pray for Wood River Junction, but God's desire is not only that we pray, Lord, do something in Wood River Junction. That's where I live. But Lord, do something, work this way in this person's life. God wants us to be particular and specific when it comes to people. And I believe that God would have us to pray for one another. He would have us to pray for all men, for all in authority, for kings. And He wants us to learn what it means to really pray for people. Because God wants us to primarily pray for people. And He does not want us to get into the the rut of having a list of people to pray for and not know what to do. You know, I have have a list of everybody that comes to church. I've got a list of other people that are in my family. A list of other people that I've met along the way that I'm praying for. People that have come to church but don't come anymore. And God wants me to not just say this. um, You know, Lord, I pray for Sheila, do something there. Lord, I pray for Holly, do something there. Lord, I pray for Sue, do something there. Uh, Lord, I'm praying for George, do a lot, a whole lot there. And and, uh, No, I'm just praying. (laughs) <laughs> I pick on George because I can. And uh, God wants us to really be able to get into what it means to pray for people, to know their needs. And I want you to listen. God wants us to have a conversation with Him concerning the people that we're praying for. To get to the place. Now, this is the end where God says, and this is what I would have you to do. You're praying for this person. And this is what I would have you to do. And until we get to that place with that person, now, what God may say is, I want you to pray and continue to pray. But one day, God is going to put upon your heart to do something because He's conversing with you. Now, I want you to know, God's primary way of working in the world is through His people. It's through His people, but we want to be sure that we're just not going out um, here and there and doing whatever it is that comes into our mind, but it comes from God. Because God does want us to work. But it all begins with prayer. You see, if we do without prayer, I can guarantee you all we're doing is trying to throw some pasta up against the wall and see if it sticks. Sometimes we'll get it right. But most of the time, we're going to get it wrong. But when God tells us, we can be sure this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. God can have us pray in a moment through this, this, this listing, and it's really a process of things we're going to see in a moment. But God wants to teach us to pray 
to where we get to the place where we know what to do. To where we know what to do. Brethren, God does not want you to pray for your children. Lord, I pray for my child. Can you help me there? And do something here. He wants us to get to the place where we say, Lord, I see this need in my child's life. There's something that must be done. Lord, there are so many things that I know You are doing. What would You have me to do? And God will begin to converse with you. He will literally begin to speak to you about what it is that He would have you to do. This past week, Gail, um, her brother, is, is she's, he's gone to live in China. And uh, I knew Gail wanted to see her brother one last time before we went to China. And so um, we went. We went on, on uh, what was it, Tuesday or Thursday? Or one, some one of those days. And I uh, took the trip down to Bridgeport. Um, but I knew, you know, I, I'm praying, I was praying for Ernie, and I, I knew, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I've been praying for Ernie. Lord, he, he needs to be saved. Lord, you know this. By the way, does God know it? He knows it better than I do. You know that, Lord. You, you know this. And, and Lord, um, he's moving to China and you know this, but Lord, I, I want you to speak to me. What would you have me to do? And that morning as I was reading through Romans, I was um, reading through Romans chapter 5. And Paul's great rejoicing in that we are justified by Christ. We are, we are made by Christ justified in Him, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And the Lord said, that is what I want you to tell Ernie. And I didn't know how to do it. I, I was praying. Me and Gail were, were talking along the way and I was praying, Lord, I, what am I going to say? And, and I said, well, I just want... And, and Ernie's the kind of guy that uh, <clears throat> he knows when his... Sister comes over, she's going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Alright? And so I said, Ernie, I just want to get the elephant out of the room now. And I want you to, I want to tell you that you can only have peace through God. You can only have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And your sister wants you to know that. And she's going to tell you that today. And I've known Gail, I've known her tears for you. And, and, I just, I'm just begging you to, to, to please listen. And I didn't know what God would do with that. I do think He did something. Now, Ernie has not gotten saved as far as we know yet. But all the glory to God, Ernie, Ernie said, you know, that guy, he really believes what he says. Now, I, I said, when I said it, it was not like what I'm preaching now. I stuttered, stammered, and was sweating overdoing it. Because I was nervous. Because um, Ernie can, you know, he can make, he, he banters back and forth with Gail. He makes fun of her and she makes fun of him and that kind of thing. And, and I didn't want him to get mad at me. And I thought maybe that's what would happen. But that's what he said. That guy really believes what he says. By the way, I really do believe it. But I don't, I, he didn't get that from my countenance and he did not get that from the way I said it. Because I, I did not say it as if confident, um, because I was nervous. Now, I'm confident what I was saying, but I was nervous. But somehow God took it and used it. 
And that's what God wants us to do in our relationships with each other, with our relationships with our family. He wants us to be able to have a conversation with Him as we're interceding on the behalf of others so that He can reveal to us what it is He wants us to do. Sometimes it is to pray. Sometimes it's to be still and wait. And sometimes God will say, this is what I want you to do. How many of you know D. Strong and Dorian and all, and what's going on there? I praise the Lord for that. We've been praying on Wednesday nights. Lord, he's got to experience things that none of us will ever be able to experience. He's met people that none of us will be able to meet. And we've been praying, Lord, may these things not crowd out the gospel. And I want you to know, we as Christians, we have to be praying. Lord, we want Dorian saved. That's, that's our primary desire. What would you have us to do? What would you have us as a church? What would you have me to do? Lord, with anything. If not me, someone else. And we don't want to do what God would not have us to do. We don't want to say just because there's a need, I have to do it. Because the truth is, is God has many who are able to, and there are some that He will call to do it. But we need to be sensitive to the unction of the Holy Spirit who's able to lead us to say what we should say and do what we should do in the timing that He would have us to do it. And this is why I believe Paul starts with this great exhortation. If you look there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in our godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the, excuse me, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and why not? A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, I do pray that you'd bless us, and that you'd help us to understand these things, and that you'd lead us into greater prayer for people saved, unsaved, people we like and those that we don't. Father, that we would know the needs of people and be able to pray them through with You so that we might be able to do what You would have us to do. To be able to say what You would have us to say. And I beg You, Father, that I as, as a pastor would take hold of these things. Too many times have I said things that I never should have said because it was never even prayed for. Done things I never even should have done because it was never prayed through. Father, you, you know my desperate desire to, to pray for God's people. And then, therefore, being able to pastor, to shepherd, I beg you this year that I would learn principles that would change my life forever in the way that I pastor. And so please do these things and bless us now. We pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
And so I want you to notice there, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, I exhort therefore first of all. The word exhort is a word, it's, it's the word that actually is the primary root of what the Holy Spirit is called when it's, he's called the Comforter. Um, it's the idea um, when we are, when when Paul uses the word exhort, he means to summon in order to strengthen. And when Jesus called the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us, he called him the Comforter, the one summoned in order to strengthen us. And so when Paul says these things, he is not saying, we, we hear words like exhort and we say, oh, here we go again, someone's telling me what to do. But now, honestly, when we see the word exhort in the Scripture, God is saying, listen, I am coming alongside in order to strengthen you. And Paul is saying, I want you to know these things. I am summoning you to this because I know it will give you strength. I want you to know, there's hardly anything in all the world that will strengthen the Christian more than when God speaks to them specifically so that they know what to say and do. When God is not able to get through our flesh and our, our pettiness and our unwillingness to forgive and unwillingness to confess, He's not, will, he's not able to get through to speak to us, we find ourselves in a very weakened position. Because when God is not speaking, when God is not speaking, we will find ourselves weak. But my goodness, when God tells us something, this is what I would have you to do here. Then we do it, and you see God work through it. It is one of the most strengthening things that can ever happen. I want you to always remember this. The greatest thing that a Christian can ever do in this world, the most important thing that a Christian can ever do in this world, is the will of God. But we cannot know the will of God if He is not speaking to us. And God is able to reveal these things to us as we pray. We say, well, the Bible says the will of God. That's true. But I promise you, I promise you, it is when God speaks to us in the still, small voice that only He would give to us as we're praying praying through the Scriptures, that He will say, this is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to do. Now we'll have to step out in faith and do it. We'll have to step out in faith and say it. But I promise you, when God speaks and we act, there is a strengthening there that is supernatural and above everything. One of the saddest things we face is when God goes silent. But God wants to give us some things here that should help us. Should help us as we're praying for one another. When God gives this list, notice He says, I want you to give supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. The first thing we say is, well, God, the first three things are the same thing. We've got supplications and prayers and intercessions. That's all talking about prayer. And God is not giving a list of us for us. To, this is important. 
He's not saying, well, I want you to sometimes give supplication, and I want you to sometimes give, um, <clears throat> give prayers, and I want you to sometimes give intercessions, and then sometimes give thanks. He's giving us a step-by-step process in which to pray, a step-by-step opportunity to come before Him and to, to really get to the place where He's speaking to us about what we're to do next. By the way, I want you to understand that there are going to be people that we pray this way for more often than others. That makes sense? Because we're going to pray for our children more than we might pray for someone else's children. By the way, that just means that, that moms and dads need to be praying for their children. Right? You see, I have children. I'm going to pray for my children. You have children. I will pray for your children. But I should not be praying for your children this way more than you are. Because who's going to work in your children's lives? Who's going to work, the, in, who's supposed to work in your children's lives the most? You, right? The same goes for your family, your neighbors, your circle of influence, your, your co-workers. You know, we have a list on Wednesday night of people to pray for. We want them saved. We will pray for the people you want saved. We should not pray. We should not be praying more than you for the people on your list, on this list, than the, than you. And and that's logical because if we lay the idea of praying this way upon one person, it will never be done. It will never be done. God has given us a church. And this is the first exhortation to the church. It is not the exhortation to the pastor. It is the exhortation to the church. I would that men pray everywhere. It is not, say, Timothy, this is what I want you to do. It is, Timothy, this is what I want you to communicate to all the people there so they take hold of this. And so first, as we look through this, as we begin to pray for people, we come with the idea of supplication. And the, the idea of supplication is this. To express a need, to ask for pity in the midst of poverty. Alright? Understand that every single one of us are impoverished without Christ. With Him we have all the riches of eternity, but without Him we are impoverished. We are in great need, and the only one who can meet that need is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God that meets the need. When I use the word pity, I'm not talking about Him forgiving us. I'm I'm talking about Him looking down upon us and seeing that He is super. He is awesome. He is greater than any other one that has ever existed, and He is the eternal existent one, and He looks down upon us and says, they're like ants. And I can help them. We need to see ourselves as ants. That's the way David saw himself. He said, I'm but an ant. And we say, and we need to be able to see each other that way. Right? <clears throat> you should not see your pastor, I, I don't think this happens, but you shouldn't see him as a stalwart in the faith, some giant of the faith. Let's let the giants of the faith be God and Jesus and the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before fine but I am nothing more than an ant impoverished without Christ. 
whose need is great. And so are you. Amen? The idea of supplication is to come before God with the understanding that I am in great need, they are in great need. We ought to know that we're in great need. We ought to know our children have great needs. Our children are very weak. And I want to give you this understanding, brethren. We live in a perilous world with an active devil who is trying to snatch away all of our children any time he can. And if that doesn't lead us to pray, I don't know what is. Because the devil is trying to take our children away from God. He is. He is. And we ought to know this. And we ought to therefore come before God not in a position, not in a position of, ah, there's not really much to pray for, but really in a position of weakness with an understanding that those we're praying for are also weak and in need. This also brings us to this. We ought to know the needs of others. And as we know those needs, we can pray. Right? As we know those needs, we can pray. What are the great needs of God's people? He wants us to come before Him. And I want you to see this. God brings us low and then brings us up. He begins with the idea of supplication. I am weak and in need. Then He goes into the word prayers. Now this is very important. He continues to bring us down. But not in the sense of weakness, but in prayer, we are coming before Him in a position of worship. Now what does that mean? How, does that, how is that bringing us down? The word worship literally means to go down before in obeisance. I know it's a word we don't use anymore, but it means to get down on your knees and sometimes even on your belly in order to... to to prostrate oneself before the one who's great. It is to put yourself in the position of subject and God in the position of king. We are not going before God as equals. We are going before God as His servants or ones that are lower than Him. He should, he's not going to worship us, but we should worship Him. And in this instance, with this word in the Scripture, the word prayer here means to prostrate oneself in worship. Why? Because we have a great need. Right? We understand the need, and we know He's the one that can meet it, and therefore we humbly come before Him and bow in worship to lay those needs at His feet. We're saying, Lord... You here can do something that would astound me and the one I'm praying for. I can't do it. You can. Lord, You want me to pray for this person. And I'm coming before You, not as the one who can do anything, but as the one who can't do anything. And this is so important because the next word, intercession, has to do with God beginning to tell us what to do. But if we're going before God, hey, God, me and you, we're equals. Tell me what to do. 
right? If we haven't gone through the process or the, the steps of supplication and prayer to be brought low before God, and I think this is one of our big problems, starting with me, is we come before God without that first. We come before Him without the being, placing ourselves in our proper position before God on our knees. And we come to God in this intercession, which I want you to know what it means. It means to interview, to have a conference, to bring minds together. That's what intercession means. If we're going to have a conference call with God, it better not be a CEO to CEO because he will hang up the phone. He will hang up the phone and we will not hear from him. It cannot be that. This is an amazing thing, but Jesus calls us his partner. He is the senior partner. We are the junior partner. If we were to be lawyers... Um, we may be partners in the in the law firm, but there's the senior partner and the junior partner. The junior partner does what the senior partner says. The junior partner has the small office. The senior the senior uh, uh, partner doesn't go into the junior partner's office. The junior partner goes into the senior partner's office and asks the question, "What do I do?" And the senior partner answers. But if we expect the senior partner to bow down himself before us, number one, a lawyer may better start looking for another place to to fellowship with. I think that's what they call it. Or partner with. But the truth is, we need to come before God as the one who is greater. And then we come into this conference, this interceding. And this is so important because God is... This is what God is trying to say. It's a meeting in order to interview, a meeting in order to conference, to have a conversation, to be able to converse with one another. We see Paul doing this with God. When he meets the Lord on the Damascus Road, we see him in this conversation. Lord, what would you have me to do? We see this type of thing happening, this interceding, this coming alongside. Um, the, the word intercession here doesn't mean, hey, I'm praying for someone else. It means that God is speaking to us in order that we might know what to do for that person we're praying for. This is what God is saying when He talks about interceding. God is saying, I want to come beside this person and I want to help them and I'm going to use you to be part of it. And this is what I'd like you to say. And this is what will begin to happen. Lord, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure about that. That's what, that's what um, Moses said. He said, Lord, I'm a man of sore speech. I, I can't do that. And so he talks back to God. And God says, well, listen, no, I, you can. I'm God. And you can do it. And Moses talked back, but I, I, I really can't. Eventually God says, all right, you've got Aaron, and he's going to help you. God was a little upset with Moses about the whole thing, but he did say... Uh, Aaron will help you. And Aaron did. But God wants to be able to speak to us, and guess what? He lets us speak back. <laughs> he lets us begin to talk back to Him. You see, it's not a one-way conversation at this point. It's not just, hey, God, uh, you tell me what to do, but it's God saying this, and we say, well, 
well, God, I understand what you're saying there, but what, what, what are some of the, the specifics here? What, what else? What, what, how do you really get to that place? And guess what? God will begin to talk to you. He'll begin to speak to you. He'll begin to give you understanding and ideas. And you'll begin to say, wait, this is starting to come together. This is, this is starting to sound pretty good, God. It's like you know what you're doing. Right? It will literally become exciting for you as you're praying. Because God is speaking. And you're starting to say, that sounds really good. And you begin to understand that this isn't for me. Remember, if we don't get to this place, we start doing this, we start thinking it's our idea. Oh, yeah, I thought of that. That's dumb. If we thought of it, we can be guaranteed it's going to fail. But we humble ourselves before God, supplicating. Coming before Him as an ant and understanding that we all are but ants in His sight. We bow our down ourselves. We get on our knees and sometimes on our belly. By the way, it doesn't need to be literal on your knees. You do not need to pray on your knees in order to be able to say that I am worshiping Him. But I do think sometimes we should. Sometimes it may take us getting down on our belly. Sometimes things are so serious that you know that I have to get down low. Sometimes things are so important that you say, I, I'm, uh, nobody else needs to know I'm, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm in my room by myself. This isn't between, this isn't so I'm showing everybody how spiritual I am. This is because God, I know how much I need you. And then He begins to say, I understand, son. I understand, daughter. You see, in Hebrews chapter 4, he gives us this precious, precious thing. Come boldly, therefore, into the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. And he will give us those things. He will begin to speak to us. Christian, are you hearing God speak to you? So that you know what to say. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, to children, to co-workers, to neighbors, to friends, to others in the church, to your pastor. Do you know what to say? Do you know what to do? God will begin to speak to you. If you're not experiencing that, I want you to know, figure out why. Is it because you won't bow down before Him? Is it because you won't pray? By the way, you have not because you ask not. If you're not praying, He's not going to do this. Is there some sin that's secret, but you haven't dealt with it with God? I want you to know God's merciful and kind. He will forgive you. By the way, He'll even forgive you if He knows you're going to do it again. And by the way, does He know if you're going to do it again? Yeah. But you have to come to Him. And why does He do all these things? The next step is thanksgiving. And by the way, thanksgiving doesn't wait until you do what He tells you to do. That's interesting. He's not saying wait until it's done to thank me. He's saying I want you to give supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgivings for all men. Thanksgiving happens before you even get up off your knees. Why would you do that? God, thank you for speaking to me about this. 
in telling me what to do and that you care enough about me and this person that you want to do something. He can do that for all men. And, and this is what we want to get to real quick. Real quick, He speaks to us. Why? Because people are His primary and greatest desire to work in and through. And so He says, I want you to pray for all men, for kings and all in authority. He says, I want you to pray for men. And when He says men, He means men and women. He says, I want you to pray for all men, for kings and all in authority. You see, sometimes we don't pray for those in authority because we don't think they need it. Sometimes we don't pray for those in authority because we don't like them. We may not like our president. He has authority and we better pray. And we better pray that God would use us and He would use other Christians. By the way, do you think there are Christians in Washington, D.C.? Sure. Do you think there's possibly Christians even working in the White House? And maybe they're not on his chief of staff. Maybe they're just on his staff. Maybe they're the ones wearing the uniform serving him. But they may be the ones that God is going to speak to and say, Mr. President, I just want to give you this as they hand a track. Putting their very job in their hands, but doing it. Mr. President, can I just talk to you for a minute? I've served you for seven years now. And, and we may part ways. We may part ways here in just a few months. But listen, can I tell you this? You see, because God wants all men. Listen, this is the reason. Notice what He says. Number one in verse two, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. The first thing God desires and the reason why we would pray this way is for peace. God is the giver of peace. Number two, listen to what He says. For this is good and acceptable. You see, as we pray for people this way, God said, this is good. This is my acceptable will. By the way, God can show us His good and acceptable will as we pray. Romans 12.2 God can show us and will show us as we pray because it's good to God. And then thirdly, this is so important. He says, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Listen very careful and we'll close. The Lord our God wants everybody saved. Therefore, He wants us to pray. And we ought to get to the place for the people that are in our circle where we're not only praying, Lord, can you get them saved? But Lord, is there anything you'd have me to do? Is there a track you'd have me to give? Is there a word you'd have me to speak? Is there a letter you'd have me to write? What would you have me to do? And God will begin to speak to you. Sometimes He'll give you incredibly creative ways. And, he, and, and, and it'll be amazing what God is able to do. And then we take that step of faith. And we say, thank you, Lord. 
you're going to do something great. Help me to get through it and to go all the way through. And brethren, it will change your life. We are nothing if we are not praying. Because we can do nothing without Christ. Let's bow our heads. Jesus gave His life so that we may have this type of relationship with Him. Where He literally speaks to us and leads us along the way. Jesus Christ died so that we may be the children of God. So that there might be, so that we might have that peace with God. So that we might know that we're going to heaven. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I know I do not have a relationship with Jesus to where I can speak to Him that way. I know I'm not saved. I know God wants all people to be saved, but I am not saved. I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior. But I want to be able to, to, to have this type of relationship with God to where I can come, bow myself before Him and have Him speak to me and have a conversation with Him that way. If that's you, I'd like to pray with you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray with you. You may have been coming to this church. You've been here hundreds of times. You may have only rarely come. But you know you're not saved. I'd like to pray with you. If that's you, would you simply do this? In the quietness of the moment, would you simply look up at me And I'll know and I'll pray with you. Anybody here say, I'm not saved. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me that way. Anybody today? Christian, are you praying? And really praying this way. I believe the truth is is that every single one of us can say with all honesty, I'm not praying the way I should. In the quietness of the moment, would you ask God to help you? To help you begin to pray. To go to that throne room. and To get to the place where He's speaking to you. Some of you have some very serious things relationally that if God does not intercede at some point soon, it could be a disaster. But God has something, a good work, a good word, something that He would have you to do. But it will only come when you come to Him. The quietness of the moment, would you ask God, to help you to begin to have this relationship with Him where He can speak to you so intimately that you know He's leading you.